You're listening to the Bethel University Chapel Podcast, recorded from the Everstwar Chapel Fine Arts Center in Mishawaka, Indiana. Thanks for listening. If you have a Bible, Judges chapter 6 is where we're going to be. Thank you. Judges chapter 6 is where we're going to be. Judges chapter 6, there's a word for us in this passage today. So as you go to Judges 6, I want to ask this. Can we take about 30 to 60 seconds? When you get to Judges 6, can we just pause? And I want to ask that just like yesterday, we would just uh, invite the Lord into this moment. He's obviously already here. He's been with us in the worship. Um, But specifically, I want to invite you to take these couple seconds and ask the Lord to take authority in your thoughts, just over any fatigue, any tiredness, any distraction you may have. Let's do that, okay? So Judges 6. Hold that in readiness. Let's take a few seconds. Just quietly, silently, your seat. Just uh, invite the Lord uh, to speak to you in this time. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So as Ruth and Naomi are coming back from Moab on a desert road, somewhere within that same time era, this story happens. Judges 6, starting in verse 1, says, The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep, nor cattle, nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. When the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians, and I delivered you from the hands of all your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oaken offer that belonged to Joash the Abbeus right where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have, save Israel out of Midian's hand, am I not sending you? There's two components of this passage. Uh, One is the setting, what's happening in the culture, and the other is a specific encounter that God has with Gideon. Uh, This specific encounter is really important for us, guys. Really, really important. 
I want you to go back to verse 1. I'm going to reread this. Uh, You need to get this. Okay, this is really, really important. You need to get this where we're going this week. Go back to verse 1. We're going to pour over it again. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared for themselves shelters in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, the Malachites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep, nor cattle, nor donkeys. They came with their livestock in their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites, they cried out to the Lord for help. When the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians. I delivered you from the hand of your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oaken offer that belonged to Joash the Abias Rite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go, in the strength you have, save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? So if you've been reading through the book of Judges chronologically up till this point, this would be the fourth time you would have read the phrase, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And because of that, for seven years, they're given to the hands of Midian. So picture this, seven years, that's almost twice the length of a normal college career length. So seven years. For those seven years, what's happening? They're not living in their homes. Okay, the Midianites have oppressed them so much that Israel has made shelters in the clefts, in the caves, so they're not living in the homes they've made. Uh, They're hiding out. They're probably wearing animal skins. They're living like outlaws in their own country. And the word that kind of jumps out to me is the word oppressive. Okay, this is oppressive. The Midianites have the Israelites under their foot, right? I mean, it's serious. For seven years, the Israelites are planting crops, and when the crops come up, the enemy comes in and takes them away. So seven years of disappointment. Seven years of planting something, never reaping, and this oppression gets so bad, it gets so awful, that Israel cries out to the Lord for help. Now, that's the fourth time you would have also seen that phrase in the book of Judges. That's always the turning point, right? They cry out to the Lord, and what does God do? He sends them a prophet, and this prophet reminds them of all the things God's done in the past. God says, I brought you out of Egypt. I delivered you from your oppressors. I rescued you. I drove them out. I'm the Lord your God. Why does God do that? Because the classic sin of the people in the book of Judges is to forget. If you go back to chapter 2, it says this generation didn't know the Lord or what he'd done for Israel. That's the problem. So the prophet is sent to say, hey, I've done things for you. I've reminded you. I've been faithful to you in the past. And in the midst of this scene of crazy oppression, the angel of the Lord goes to this one specific person. Now, guys, the angel of the Lord only shows up in the Bible to really significant people. So before we know anything about Gideon, we know for some reason he's esteemed in the eyes of the Lord. God has chosen this guy for a reason. Gideon is not in the temple. He's not in the tabernacle. He's not a spiritual emphasis week. He's not doing anything that would avail himself particularly to an encounter with God. The angel sits down. Only time in the Old Testament, an angel sits. He sits down, and where does he find Gideon? 
He's threshing wheat in a wine press. Remember, the Midianites are stealing all the crops. So Gideon, like the rest of his generation, is hiding. He's hiding, trying to keep the crops from the enemies. And this angel greets him and says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Gideon's response, pardon me, my Lord. If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders our ancestors told us about? Blah, 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 blah. I'm thinking, did the Lord get the right guy? This doesn't sound like a mighty warrior at all. According to our records, he's not fought a battle yet. Like, I don't think he's done anything to earn this name, Mighty Warrior. Gideon kind of protests, God, are you sure? Do you have the right guy? And watch this, verse 14. The angel of the Lord turned to Gideon. So I don't know what the scene looked like at that moment, but in this wine press, apparently, this angel seated, and Gideon here, the angel apparently wasn't looking at him until verse 14. Suddenly, the angel of the Lord turns to him. Gideon can see the whites of his eyes, and he says, Go in the strength you have. Save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Guys, this is a really key moment in Gideon's life. Okay, there's 13 judges in this book if you count Abimelech. Of those 13 judges, there are only four of them that when they lead for a whole 40 years after their leadership, God brings peace. 40 years is a generation length. What does that mean? When Gideon leads, it changes a whole generation. At the end of his time, it says the land had peace for 40 years. This is a moment that shifts the course of a whole generation. You have to understand the context of this time. Okay, so watch this. Here's how I would summarize this passage so far. What do we got, okay? I would summarize the passage in four bullet points. We have an enemy. The enemy's the Midianites. What are those enemies doing? They're oppressing Israel. Got them under their foot, right? So, so bad that these Israelites are in hiding. They're not living in the homes they built. They're not harvesting their crops. This looks nothing like what God intended promised land living to look like. I mean, this is bad. And God's solution to this situation was to encounter one man. When you look at this, an enemy oppressing people, causing hiding, nothing like the promised land. That should smack of something else in the Bible. Let me take a look at Genesis 3. Let's take Genesis 3 on the screen. If you go way, way back, way, way back to the beginning, the very first sin, the very first time we gave the enemy authority over us, what happened? Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord. The Lord called to the man, where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid so I would, because I was naked, so I hid. So what we're realizing is this isn't just a picture of culture in Gideon's time. This is a revelation of the human condition before God. We have sinned, so we've given an enemy, Satan, authority over us, and he's got his foot on us. And because of that, we're living in this sense of hiding. We're not living in full relationship with God. We're not living in full relationship with others. And the result of that is our life sometimes look nothing like what God came for us to do. When he came that we might have abundant life, sometimes because we've given the enemy authority over us, we're living in an oppression in a promised land life we're not supposed to have. Guys, you're not called to that. You're called to more. What's God's strategy for changing this in Gideon's day and in our day? It's encountering individuals. That's what God does. God finds people like Gideon in the midst of this generation. He says, you, I'm calling you where you're at to help me change this.
when the pandemic was going on really bad, um, there was a time where I got the Delta variant of COVID pretty badly. Uh, so badly, I couldn't get out of my apartment, uh, couldn't get myself groceries. I don't know if any of you had that problem. Couldn't get my mail. Uh, a lot of times, I, I would have friends that would go get me groceries, and um, they would come drop them off the front door. You know, they'd knock. Um, they would drop them off, and I'd text them like, hey, can I Venmo you something? How do I pay you back? What do I owe you? And they'd say things like, hey, uh, you don't owe us anything. You know, we, we just we paid for it. We covered it. They're super nice to me. And that went on for a season of time, right, where they just kept paying, kept paying. I remember another season of my life where uh, in, in my job, I have a lot of meetings throughout the week. And uh, in this particular stretch a couple years ago, I had a two-week stretch where I thought, I'm going to have a lot of meetings and a lot of meetings over meals. And if you're anything like me, I have a certain amount of money that I can budget in a two-week period for going out to eat. I've got a certain amount of money I can use for those meals. And so I remember going through this two-week stretch, I was thinking, man, I'm going to be a little tight on my finances. I can tell I'm going to be like $10, $15 over my budgeted amount for out-to-eat meals these two weeks. Not a huge deal, but it was on my mind. I go through these two weeks, I keep thinking that, I'm like, man, I'm going to a lot of meetings. I'm a little over my food budget. I finish these two weeks, I'm like, praise God, I'm done with that. Thank you, Lord. I've been so busy, I hadn't checked my mail. So I go to my mailbox, and I open my mail, and I'm going through it, and there's a letter in there, a card, and I recognize the handwriting on it, and it's my mom's handwriting. And I'm thinking, oh, my parents must have sent me a card, and I open it up, and I open this card, and a $20 bill falls out. And before I even read the card, I'm thinking to myself, that's how much money I've been lacking the last two weeks. And I read the card, and it's got this really sweet letter of, hey, we're thinking of you, praying for you right now. Just use this for whatever you needs you have. I look at the date on the card. My mom dates every card she sends. The date was two weeks before. So for the last two weeks, I thought I needed about $20, and I didn't. It was already in my mailbox. My parents had already sent it. It was literally right there waiting for me, and all I had to do was open the mailbox and get it. This is the problem? Okay, how does God fix this problem? If your generation's right there, God the Father's over here. And God the Father's looking at this generation, Gideon's generation, your generation, saying, we gotta fix this, we gotta do something. And to do that, God has an encounter he wants to send. So God the Father's over here and he says, Jesus, God the Son, I wanna give you this package, I wanna give you this encounter so you can mail this to them. And Jesus takes this and Jesus pays the cost at the post office for the encounter. He pays it at the cross, right? He gives his life, pays in blood that this might happen. The encounter goes from the Father to the Son to the Holy Spirit who now takes this and he's offering it to you and I. He's saying, we've already paid all the cost for this, and what I want to do is I want to give you an encounter that would shift the course of this generation. And you as a campus, you're in a couple different spots in regards to this. There's some of you literally that are living with this in your mailbox and you haven't opened it. God has paid for a full encounter for you, and you're sitting there and you're not taking advantage of it. There's some of you that can't open this because you're not in a relationship with Jesus. If that's you, I would just say these two things to you. 
we read in this passage that God initiated the encounter with Gideon. Hey, we don't serve a God who's standing over here waiting for you to clean up your act and get your life together and quit sinning and get better, and then when you do that, he'll draw near. No, 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 no. While we're still sinners, Christ died for us. He draws near. That's what we call it the gospel, the good news. So if you're here and you, and you do not have a relationship with Jesus, I'm telling you, God is not this God that is looking at you saying, would you change your ways? Would you get better? And then I'll come be, no, 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 no. No, he's already coming. He's already paid, he's already drawing near. And now he's saying, I've paid the full cost for this encounter. Do you want to open this? When Gideon first encounters the angel, the angel says, the Lord is with you. Guys, if you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, what this whole thing is about is we believe there's a God that wants to do life with you through your famines, through your ups, through your downs, a God that will walk with you. So for some of you, you're not ready for this because you're not in a relationship with Jesus, and that's what this week is about. It's about stepping into that. Check this out, verse 12. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hands of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have, save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Guys, when I look at this passage, if this is our generation, if Judges 6 is a snapshot, not just of Gideon's era, but of our era, then maybe this encounter is also a snapshot of our encounter. So I would say to you, an encounter with the Lord has at least five aspects. And for those of you that are not in a walk with Christ, you've already got your step. Your step is to, is to say yes, is to accept the mercy of the God who's come near you and he's drawing near you. But for the rest of your campus, there are five steps. There are five things in this box that are waiting for you and you need all five. I'm just gonna speak to a couple of them this morning. One is this, it's this revelation that God's always initiating, that he's always the one speaking, he's always the one who's choosing to come encounter us. It's this revelation that God is with us. But in this box, this is so, so important, the angel of the Lord called Gideon a mighty warrior and he'd never done anything to earn that name. When you encounter the Lord, he offers you an unearned name. He speaks something over you that you've done nothing to earn. It is so, so key, it is so, so important, especially for those of you that have walked with the Lord for a long time. When the Lord says, speaks his, his unearned name over you, you must walk in that name. If I were to flip through the next couple chapters, you know what the next couple chapters of Gideon's life looks like? He's hearing from the Lord. He hears from the Lord a ton in chapters eight and nine, like a ton. God's like, do this, do this. You've got too many men, cut them down, uh, go this way. I mean, God is giving him such specific directions and Gideon's walking in obedience. He's learning to walk in his new name. Guys, the reality is some of you have had encounters with God, but you're not discipled because you've not learned to walk in your new name. If you do that, that means next year's spiritual emphasis week, you're gonna have to retake the territory you took this year. You must be discipled into your new name. You must. You must learn to walk with the Holy Spirit. You must listen to God. You must read the word. That's the step for some of you here. In Alabama, I go to this park 
that uh, has, they, they frequently replant trees in this park. And you ever seen a little sapling planted and they'll have posts near it and they'll tie the sapling to those posts? You ever seen that? It's because if a big storm comes or if a, a big dog walks by and hits it, I mean, this, the tree doesn't have roots. It can't stand on its own. You can only walk with the Lord for so long until you get your own root system, guys. You must become a person who puts down roots into their new name, the new name God gives you. The tail end of the encounter. Verse 14, I love this. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have, save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? For some of you guys, this box, this encounter is a first time relationship with Jesus. For some of you, it's saying, you know what? There's an unearned name in this box. God has called me son. God has called me daughter. But the reality is I've not learned to walk in that. I've not become rooted in that. And that means you need to get in the word, pray, get in community, be discipled, develop roots. But there's probably some people here, especially some of the older ones that have followed the Lord for longer, that maybe need this last part of the encounter. What Gideon goes through the next couple chapters is pretty challenging and pretty hard in some ways. He needs to really, really clearly remember when God called him. He needs to remember this moment where the angel of the Lord turned to him and looked at him. And he's got to remember that clearly enough that no battle with the Midianites and no complaining from Israel, which he will experience, that none of that's going to shake the fact that God did, in fact, look me in the face and tell me to do this. For some of us, the encounter is a calling or it's a reminder of the calling. I don't know about you guys, but I find myself needing to revisit those calling moments a lot. A lot longer I walk with the Lord. I believe, spiritually speaking, uh, your campus has a package in the mail that God's wanting to encounter you. I think this week is about opening that up. Throughout the Bible, there's a thing that people often say in the Old Testament. Abram said it, Moses said it, Isaiah said it. When they find themselves needing to encounter God, they'll often utter this phrase. They'll say, here I am. And here I am is like intentionally coming out of hiding. It's like saying, God, I'm right here. If you want to meet me, I'm right here. I believe that God hears us when we pray that, and that's what I want to encourage us to pray today. Uh, worship team, go on, come on out. Students, if you want to just close your eyes for a moment. I'm just going to ask that um, you just take these next few moments and this next song and that you would tell the Lord, Lord, here I am.
Lord, here I am. And I want to ask that with that, would you right now take whatever physical posture you need to take to say that? So if you need to stand right now where you're at, I would encourage you to do that. If you need to hold out your hands, if you need to come forward to the altar, I'm just going to leave that in your court. Use these few moments to tell the Lord, Lord, here I am. I want to encounter you. Jesus, we thank you that you're the God that's always initiating encounter with us. God, I thank you for the encounter you want to have with this campus, an encounter that would change this generation. And so I ask God right now, if there's a Gideon in this room, I pray you'd find her, you'd find him, that God, you'd find them in the midst of their wine press, that you would look them in the eyes, that you'd speak an unearned name over them, God, that they would walk in the calling you have given them and they would remember that you have come for them, Lord. Jesus, here we are. Here we are. Send us. Thanks for listening to the Bethel University Chapel Podcast. Subscribe to the podcast and get more information at chapel.betheluniversity.edu or check us out on the iTunes store by searching for Bethel University Chapel.